I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? 2022. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Chris Derrick is out today, but we got my man sitting in with me. Y'all know I'm executive producer, Tracy Grant. Yes, sir. I'm in the house. What's happening? What it be? What it look like? On on curfew today. I am in the house. <laughs> Wifey's um, like, you better be home at twelve thirty. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful <clears throat> weekend day to be alive. It's cool because you and I kind of got to kick it for this yeah, entire man. weekend. Mm-hmm. We saw Big Bros screening <laughs> of The Devil You Know. Mm-hmm. Charles uh, Murray, shout night. out! Shout out to Charles Murray. He wrote, directed. Uh, produced a piece for Lionsgate, mm-hmm. fabulous uh, feature film. Um, our guest was also with us mm-hmm. uh, last night, and out there with the Wu Tang, you know, I say y'all, you know, our, our number one co-host Chris Derrick stood us up. So you know, I got to give you shit. <laughs> You bum. <laughs> like bum he, ass. Like, I'm not going to talk about your mom because we record <laughs> the podcast, but I'm very upset. You know, married dudes don't get to hang out like yes, that that much. So shout out to Chris. We're yeah. very excited about what he's got going on. Like he's on a TV show or something. Like he works. Exactly. Works, you know what I mean? Exactly. He got no job. He ain't doing nothing. And, um, <laughs> but... <clears throat> Our, our guest today really takes me back. Y'all, have, mm-hmm. many of you have heard we all sort of started with the organization of black screenwriters mm-hmm. back in the day. And they always show me a lot of love, support, mm-hmm. um, friendship, um, help me get sharper as a writer, that whole thing. Uh, Sylvia Franklin, Jennifer Williams, the mm-hmm. whole crew, Lisa Bolakaja, mm-hmm. Renee, who we miss every day, Renee Rawls, the Ron, whole crew. Ron Covington, the whole Wu-Tang clan. You know, that. and so <laughs> it, at that time, I was blessed to to get staffed, get into WGA and all of that, and I kept coming to meetings, mm-hmm. and it was a big deal. <clears throat> but the truth is, kind of like officer and a gentleman, like an officer and a gentleman, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. Like when things weren't happening for me, um, that organization kind of gave me a, a, a place, gave all of us sort of a, a support system, mm-hmm. which hopefully we'll, we'll get back to very soon. <clears throat> but this sister was one of those people, never an unkind word or negative word to say about anybody else, humble, mm-hmm. uh, kept working on her craft and wanting to get better but always had love, always had support. Uh, she did an indie feature on her own. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the average American. <clears throat> and I was happy to go and sort of help out on her crew as over 10 years ago. I forget the year. Yeah, it's a long been a time ago. It's been a, it's been a long um, time so, since I left you. <laughs> you know, this is a sister who you have people in this game who when they win it feels like their victory is your victory absolutely and this is one of those people so and i'm very I, happy to have her here today i i told her and we said you have like you ain't even here i told her that like it's gonna be one of them ones we probably gonna be emotional you know all that stuff just because we go back since like the early 2000s yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. been that's right we've known each other over 15 years it's been a long, long time, time you know for sure so with that, if you guys are grown, let's jump into the show. I'm super excited. Our little sis, Kimberly Allen, y'all, writer, producer herself. You direct too, right? I did. Yes, you, yes. I did. I did. <laughs> Past tense I will and stuff. One day again. <laughs> <laughs> Out here doing some big things. So proud of you, sis. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Indeed. Thank you for having me. I feel really, really fortunate to be here with you guys. <laughs> I listen to y'all all the time, and I'm like, wow, I'm here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, I'm always trying to find people on the... I, w- I was holding it off because I kept hoping that something would happen, happen with Ticker, and we just had the whole group on and everybody be on the mic, but I was like, we were, we were having our Ticker meeting last week, and, I, and you said something, and I was like, why am I waiting? I'm just going to bring Kim on the show. So I said, Kim, what you doing, girl? Look, come on on Sunday. You were like, I'm free. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, we appreciate you. Um, we love you. And I'm somebody who really loves smart people, as, as you all know. And you're a smart motherfucker. Okay? Really. And I say that because there are some people, Tracy, you know, when you're in rooms or when you're working with writers and filmmakers, some people take a long time to learn some shit. Yes, sir. You feel me? Kim, you tell her once. And she will went back, studied it, figured it out, and brought you that, more that's stuff. That's a gift. Yes. Those people, when you're working on a project and you have choices and decisions to make and you got to do it quickly, people like that are a real asset, right. no doubt. And, indeed. And I've watched you, Kim, particularly with, with working on Ticker, so many different things that we gave you tasks to do. And you came back, whether it was you know, doing the PR stuff, whether it was designing the, 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 the visual decks, whether it was, <clears throat> you know, how we're going to do our one sheet, whatever it was, you came back with it even better. You know what I mean? And that I was like, oh, OK, she's her skill set. And you got a full time job, bitch. OK, she don't be playing. <laughs> and I was like, see, that's somebody who wants it. Yeah, that's that's the people you want to work with, Tracy. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So for sure. So welcome to the show, girl. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you. So let's go back and tell everybody where you're from, you know, and how you got into the game in the first place. OK. Um, well, I'm from Detroit mm. and I, I grew up in Detroit. What part? Well, I lived on both the east side. P- people mostly say east side, west side. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was very young, as you know, a tot all the way to maybe I was like t- 11 years old, 10 years mm-hmm. old, I lived on the west side, southwest Detroit. Okay. Um, and then I moved to, my family moved to the east side, and that's where I went to high school, mm-hmm. you know, Osborne High School, and then also a place called Go Lightly, uh, and I have some... Some comrades out here in LA that I know them from Go Light, oh, okay. and, and that's a that's, that's a big deal because that's that school is where I, I got my feet wet with production, 
and writing mm-hmm. um, before I went to before I went to um, college right. for for journalism. So, um, but I've always I've always liked writing, <coughs> even from my my first time. Um, writing a story and getting a response was in elementary school. Mm. I had an assignment to write a story, wrote a story, and um, I saw the engagement. You know, I saw my, my classmates um, really become engaged with the story. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I wanted to write. Um, did, you, did, did, you, did you always know you were funny? Could you come across quiet and shy, but on the page, you funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> sitcom writing is, is I, I used to watch a lot of TV, and mm-hmm. sitcom writing was my thing because I, I just watched a lot of sitcoms. I used to put mm-hmm. my tape recorder, this is way before VCRs, I'm dating myself, but I used to put <laughs> my tape recorder next to all my favorite shows mm-hmm. and tape them. And so whenever I went on a trip with my parents mm-hmm. in a car or whatever, I'd be listening to my shows. Mm. And you know you get the you know you don't see it but you hear it you the hear rhythms. the the rhythm mm-hmm. of the the sitcoms the rhythm of the dialogue and I didn't know that I was absorbing that right. I just was like I just liked my show mm-hmm. and um, when I was twelve years old I got my my friend next door we were about the same age and I said let's write a Laverne and Shirley <laughs> and she's like okay and I like I didn't even know spec scripts was a thing you right. know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's how I started out mm-hmm. I went to school for journalism. But it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be more on the creative side of writing. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And what what finally brought you out to L.A.? And how long have you been out here? I came out here at the end of 98. Okay. And um, came out here, I, you know, I, I started out writing while I was teaching. I used to teach at the School for the Deaf mm-hmm. for five years. And I started writing a script there in in Detroit okay and I was trying to study it mm-hmm. um, and then one day you know my family I was married at the time mm-hmm. and my son was very young he came out to LA and that was my purpose to come out to learn about screenwriting and get into that now you were you were talking um, <clears throat> with uh, with rich my sister earlier about um, were you in Maryland? Where were you? You were somewhere in like the rural area, and he was in the military. Where was that? That was okay. So that was in the in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- I lived in Cascade, Maryland, which is a very very small town. You know what that is, Rich? Yeah. Cascade. Yeah. Okay. Fort mm-hmm. Ritchie. Yeah, it's right at the border of uh, before you go to Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, lived there for a few months because I was still in school. I was still going to Wayne State, but mm-hmm. um, during my summer time, yeah, I would. You know, I came there to live, but my husband and I, you know, military life is kind of different than regular life. Military brat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. I was a military wife, and sometimes we were living together, sometimes we weren't. We right. Were, you know. They'd be gone for months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. Sometimes we would be. you just be on the base by yourself with the kid or something. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we went to Germany. I was mm-hmm. over there. It was it was just a, a, it, it was a great experience being able to, to see different things because mm-hmm. sometimes when you live in a community like in Detroit, I have a lot of people that I know that they they and, and it's nothing against that, but sometimes you don't leave a place. It's a bubble. And when you don't mm-hmm. when you don't explore other cultures and other places and other things, you tend to kind of think that life is the same everywhere. Right. But when you when you travel, when you visit, um, and you see different cultures and different ways of life. Then you realize the world is bigger, right? Yeah. And 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 so you came out in '98, and 
you came here to be a writer? I did. How did you end up um, in, in the corporate world where you are now? I mean, was that just to survive or you just had those skills that worked for that? Or Well, I, I didn't, I've done like a million jobs. Okay. Um, Susan, Susan always has this going thing about me. She's like, your resume must look like a scroll. You just have so many jobs. Every time I say something, like, yeah, I used to do that too. Um, <laughs> but I, I was teaching there and I came here and I was like, I was going to teach here. I took mm-hmm. the CBES, passed the CBES. Oh, okay. And I was going to teach. I wanted to teach the deaf. I, I have a... So you can do the... I, I sign. Oh, really? Yeah, That's sign. important to know. That should be part of your pitch. I do sign. You just never know. It might be useful. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a real <laughs> skill. Yeah. Thank you. Keep yeah. doing it, too. Don't stop. I, I sign sometimes at church. We have um, we have, uh, we, we have a sign language ministry mm-hmm. and for before the pandemic. Um, and I used to interpret... You know the music. Oh, that's good. I like that. Interpret the music. Wow, the music. And yeah, like when they would sing praise mm-hmm. and worship music, I would sign, and we would we were streaming. Okay. So if we have people in the deaf community that are watching, I wanted to make sure that they. That's can. beautiful. So okay, good. Yeah. See, I, I never that. did. You know that? I had no idea. <laughs> I never knew. That's important. No idea. That's yeah. good. That could come in useful. I have to. I. You know what? The deaf culture. Working at I worked at Detroit Day School for the Deaf, mm-hmm. and. Um, in fact, yesterday I was on a show called Storytellers, and we had to talk about a job, what our first day was like on a job that mm-hmm. we remember. Right. And I remember my first day, you know, walking into the Detroit Day School for the Deaf, and uh, I was a substitute teacher at that particular school, so mm-hmm. nowhere else, just there. And I would go from class to class and relieve teachers. And so my very first class was the kindergartner class. Mm. And now, mm. I didn't go to school for sign language. Mm. I just... Like you say, pick stuff up, and I just went and studied it, you know, at the library or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had all these words I was re- ready to use, but the only words I was using was like, no, stop, wait, <laughs> stop, no. <laughs> Those kids, and it's only nine kids, kids. That's only nine kids in the class, and I'm like, I can't control nine kids, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and they would literally close their eyes if they didn't want to know what you had to say. Oh, that's They funny. would close their eyes, and basically like, I'm not listening to you. They figured it out. Interesting. But you know what? Graham crackers was the equalizer. I'm like, if y'all want some snacks, y'all gonna sit down. And, That's hilarious. And they were like, little angels. It, there's, a, there's a story in all of that somewhere, for mm. sure. I don't know if it's a, a script or short story, but hopefully you have that documented in some way. Was, was television always it for you? Like when we were talking about back in the day, I think... <clears throat> There was a lot more separation at that time, like feature writers and television writers. It wasn't quite the way it is now. Right. So I'm curious about, and you, you were taping TV shows like on cassettes, I guess. So I wonder if it was always television or you, had, you, no, you also movies wrote too. and did a feature. Movies too. Um, actually, my first script when I was writing in Detroit was a feature. Okay. Um, and I have a friend, um, my friend Stephanie. Uh, she every time we would go to the movies, I would always come out just all hyped up, like, "Oh my gosh, that was so great!" You know, I imagine a story like this, blah 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 blah. And she's like, "I'm so tired of you talking to me about this." <laughs> she's like, "If you really want to do this, you need to pick up and move to California." Okay, she's like, "I don't, don't say nothing else to me unless you're gonna go move there." Mm-hmm. And then I remember saying, "You know what? I'm moving to California." Mm-hmm. I love and stories she was like, like that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so 98 
you get here to Los Angeles. It's a big move. Like walk us through the steps that you're taking over the years to kind of keep going. Well, you know, I remember I'm a person of faith. I'm a person that believes that your words mean something. And mm-hmm. when you when you speak, you're speaking, you're either speaking life or death to your your life. Mm. And um I don't think that some people understand that. They're like the world that you're living in today is the words you spoke yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so I used to do certain things not knowing that it was leading somewhere, but hoping that it was leading somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, when I was in Detroit just um, calling up UCLA and USC and and Anchor School of the Arts in, in New York mm-hmm. and saying, send me your catalog. I want to see your catalogs on screenwriting. And they mailed them to me. Now, I had no intention of jumping up and, mm-hmm. you know, my life wasn't really set up at that moment to just get up and move to another. So know, it's like their syllabus or something, or what is it? Their, 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 uh, like their course catalogs. Their course catalog okay. for the, for the okay. fall. Okay. And I just wanted to see what they were offering. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when I, um, I would just read through it, and I would just get inspired by just mm-hmm. seeing that. Just having that in my hands, and mm-hmm. my, you know, and then we came out here for a vacation. And next thing I know, we were selling our house mm. and we were moving here. Right. And I did go to uh, UCLA Extension the first year I was here before I knew anything about OBS. In fact, I met Denise Wax in that class, which is how I found out about OBS. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you how you got to OBS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Denise told me about <clears> it, <throat> and. Um, I, I used to live in Anaheim. When I first moved here, I was in Oof. Anaheim. So <laughs> I was trekking up all the way from Orange County. That's a lot. Up here. Every, every two weeks, I was up here. <laughs> like I went through three cars trying to do that. <laughs> that's, that's a haul. <clears throat> that's a haul. But UCLA Extension, you certainly understood you needed to continue to develop, educate yourself. Oh, yeah. Get better, learn, and all of that. I've taken like a million classes. So how about some of the takeaways from your experience at UCLA? It was really, it was really great. Um, I just felt this, I mean, I was working down in Orange County. I was getting off work and driving up to UCLA Extension. That's commitment. Um, How bad do you want it? Anyone who doesn't know, like Orange County, south of Los Angeles County, it's a healthy commute. It's coming always traffic. You you gonna do an hour and twenty five yes. easily? And all there's the always yeah. traffic. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing that. I was getting out at eleven at night and driving back home, Oof. and then getting up the next day, doing my day job, and then doing it again. Doing it again. And I learned a lot. That was my. That was a feature writing class. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was really kind of focused on features. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I t- I took a class. Um, it was a w- workshop. I think it was Brenda Holly taught it. I'm not sure what year, but it was probably like 1999 or 2000. Mm-hmm. And she taught about um, how to structure a, uh, a sitcom, okay. story structure. And did did you ever go to? Sorry to interrupt. Did you ever go to um, to like the screenwriters expo and all the stuff like that? And I used mm-hmm. to go to those yep. like every year. And you could be in there with Richard Walter and you know all those big dudes and take all the classes and that like that's where I met all those dudes you know and of course you know um um what's his name Sid Field like all those dudes were there back then in those days that's where I met Pilar you know like all that oh I've taken Pilar's classes Pilar's and shit she's amazing Jen Grisanti like all of them um um yeah okay I was just curious like did you ever Mm -hmm. do that because that that was another way 
that I used to take a lot of classes. Like I would just go there, you know, buy whatever the the thing is. You could just take, you know, classes like all day long mm-hmm. and just learn and get that game. And that's like that's where I, I met Carla Glacius and he taught me how to do the sequence approach. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's when screenwriting, hate to use the word, got easier for me. Because mm-hmm. I started to understand it's not that difficult. We focus, especially those of us who write film, because I wrote film first also, mm-hmm. it's that second act, which is so long, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yes. Everybody freaks out. But when you break it down to these little 10, 15 minute, you know, chapters, it's like, oh, that's it's it. It's like bite sized pieces. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I started writing TV, I was like, oh, this is so easy for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I went to the Screenwriting Expo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, learned, I learned a lot of, um, we had a lot of people who come speak at OBS. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would be at offering classes. Pilar was one of the people. Mm-hmm. That I kind of gravitated towards, and she right. she's an excellent teacher, one of the best. And, um, yes. Yeah, she is. And and I've taken a few other classes at UCLA Extension, and then of course I I got into the the guy Hanks Marvin Miller program, mm-hmm. and that was fifteen weeks. What year did you get in there? What were you? That was twenty two thousand eight. Okay, I was in two thousand. Oh yeah, I was in the year before you because I was okay. in two thousand seven. Okay. Okay, that's right. Because I remember when we when I finished. So when you were in, it must have been during the strike. Or the when stri- the strike was about to start. The strike started in t- 2007, at the end of okay. 2007. Oh, so, so it was over? Yeah, Okay, got so. it. Because I remember when we finished, we were right into the strike, and we were like, well, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we finished the damn program, and it's like, we can't even get a job, we can't do nothing. Strike, so, strike was over. Yeah, so we were just out there picketing, you know, and that's where I kind of came up with the emphasis that I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. I needed to start my own company and do something. And it took me like a year or two to finally get it rolling, you know what I mean? But I, once I finally did it, that's when I did Troublesome. I was like, I need to be my own boss. I'm tired of waiting for Hollywood. And that's why I stayed in the indie world for so long, you know, but great. I think the indie world, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, I think what led me to go to to produce The Average American, actually, um, well, before that, everybody who's a screenwriter in Hollywood knows about these um, fellowships mm-hmm. that you submit to every year. And I was like clockwork. I have mm-hmm. like... Disney, Nickelodeon, oh all that shit. I, yeah, I have a, a folder at home that's probably like this thick, like a telephone book. <laughs> no, bitch, no. Uh, yeah, re- rejection letter, rejection, rejection, rejection. And you're like, why am I keep? Why am I doing this? Yeah, so, so <laughs> for for everybody listening, with like late 2000s, sort of early 2010s, um, social media is really just coming just on the coming, scene. Yep. Um, YouTube, what have you? It, Hilliard's indie short troublesome when he did that um the social media outlets were not as big and not as available as they are now we had the internet for sure but it was really about word of mouth and whatever push you could generate on your own Mm -hmm. to get eyeballs on your material and of course hilliard had a real screening it was at a theater it was very well done but it was a bit of a different time in that sort of like late, late 2000s. Yeah, it was 2010 we did that screening. Man. <clears throat> yeah. And then, I mean, that film went and got critically acclaimed, thank God. That's what helped me. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing that I didn't say is we all, we all know each other from OBS, but all three of us were also instructors and we would teach, we would, you know, whatever, like yes. you taught, like how you made your movie, like whatever it is, you know, here's how to write a sitcom, whatever. And we went on tour, you know, we did all those things. And um, 
I started my company initially to focus on my projects. You know, it was for me, mm-hmm. but I did troublesome. And I remember I was up there at OBS teaching everybody, like, here's how I made my movie. Mm-hmm. Here's how I got the celebrity in it. Here's how I got this production value, whatever it is. And people were like, dude, can you produce mine? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's how it happened. I did two of mine and 30 of everybody else's. <laughs> you know what I mean? And well, that's you, what happened. Well, you know, too, around that time is when we start having movie night. Right. We had OBS movie night. Right. And um, I thought that was... Uh, I think it's like wildfire. It's just like mm-hmm. one, once you see one person do it, you realize it's it's doable. I remember mm-hmm. Zaley Denver Slack mm-hmm. coming and teaching on, um, you know, film production. Film, film production. Mm-hmm. She had the steps, you know, and she was encouraging <coughs> to everybody, you can do this, you can do this. She right. would tell us. And so um, that and and seeing people's films and having a platform for mm-hmm. people to come out and, and watch your film, right. it was very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. And that's kind of what Zaley did. Zaley and I partnered up for writing The Average American. And I had been, you know, we have all been submitting to all these different things. And mm-hmm. I think it was like that, that that year, it was around 2004, 2005, I submitted to Disney. And it was, the, it was like one of the first times I ever got a, a call back. Mm. And they said, you know, I, I had written a spec script. And they were like, I think it was Everybody Loves Raymond. And they were like, oh, we, we really liked your script and we would like to have you come and interview. So we mm-hmm. inter- I interviewed on the phone first. So like out of 4,000 scripts, they interviewed 100 people on the mm-hmm. phone. And then out of those 100 people, they interviewed 30 in person. So I was one of those 30. Yeah. But they only selected 12 people. Right. And so I did not get in. Submitted to the final cut. And then they Woo! were like, I tell bye, you, Felicia. You were finalist. I felt like I was on the American Idol, so I'm getting booted off. So I, was like, I called my mama crying. I'll never write again. Sometimes, Sometimes it's rougher to be a finalist and not make it because mm-hmm. you get that first interview and you're feeling good. I'm not sure if it's rougher to be a finalist or to not even make the first cut. It was rougher. People are like, well, well, I've been in I've been in both positions. Yeah. Well, promise. you got in the first time you went in though. I had I had oh, some wow. good fortune. That's kind of how I squeaked in the business, but mm-hmm. I, I know what that's like is right. what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was rough, but you know what? Um it it you know, most people say, "Oh, you were well, you were close. You should, you know, that means you're doing better." You and I I understood that. But I think at that point it became where I have to do like you. Mm-hmm. I have to do something that I have control over, and not, and it's not to the fate of um, being selected because right. it's so competitive. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you make a decision from thousands and thousands to twelve people? Yeah. So that's when we wrote the average American together, and it was such a crazy. I mean, this was crazy. I was working at the trash company down in Orange County. <laughs> okay, I've had a lot of jobs. So I was working at the trash company in HR, mm-hmm. and I would get off work and go to Zaley's house, and we would be, you know, co-writing this thing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, now Zaley is a workhorse, and mm-hmm. she would be, she has a big family. She's yeah. telling us when to do homework. She's, she's like multitasking, and she, and she got a newborn, and she, you know, Feeding the baby, Crazy. And, and then she's giving me notes on top of all that. Why? Why she's doing all this stuff? <laughs> Girl, I think in Act Two we need to cut that last scene. I'm like, how can you even think right now? <laughs> <laughs> but you got to be a multitasker in this motherfucker. <laughs> she was like, you know what? We should just shoot. You should just shoot it yourself. And I said, I don't have any money. She said, Set the date. The money will come. There you go. And that was like a faith move. Mm-hmm. Set the date. The money will come. So I did that. Set the date. 
and start acting like I had the money. Mm-hmm. And people start, you know, when they see, see me coming together, people donated their time, they donated resources, mm-hmm. um, locations. Um, my goddaughters flew out from Detroit to help do ma- hair and makeup. Okay. It was really, um, you, know, you know, have people donating. Uh, from what I remember, it was a legit set. Yeah. Like you had nice locations, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't know it was a shoestring or mm-hmm. you know limited budget. Like that's that's good producer. The set was legit. Yes. Um, for the audience, you wanna you wanna talk about the story of the average American? What inspired that that story? Mm-hmm. Just how you guys came up with it? Um. So, well, it's it it started out. I was writing it as a feature. Mm-hmm. And I was in one of the classes at UCLA Extension. And um, I'm a, I like writing fish out of water stories. And I was looking at what was going on in America and, and you know, listening to, you know, presidential speeches and just people who are in politics. And I felt like this disconnect between um, the average people in America versus mm. the people who, who make the decisions for us. Right. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? If... If these people who are making these decisions had to live our lives and live how we live um, and had the choices that we had, that we're limited, they're, you know, they have way more opportunities. Oh, yeah. I said, well, what would life look like if they had to live like the average person? Trading places, right? Trading places, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. And so basically the, the premise of the story is it's about a president going from the White House to the Poor House in 24 hours. Mm. And all the laws that he passed, he had to live with them. Mm. And uh, good premise. he he ended up being with, uh, you know, living with his. He, he basically got evicted from the White House and <laughs> he was like impeached, evicted from the White House all on the same day and had to go live with a Secret Service agent's family. And the and it, Secret Service agent's wife was not having it. She, just, <laughs> she was like, I don't like them. Why are they here? <laughs> They're in the garage. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. We had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it went to several film festivals and it even aired on television. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, through the African-American short films. Oh, good. It, it aired in 100 markets on, t- on uh, TV. And um, from there, you know, I just began to work on other people's films. You know, like, you know, a lot of people from OBS start shooting their own stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so whatever I could do, whether it was production assistant, mm-hmm. you know, first, first, first AD, <laughs> first AD. I mean, it was like learning by... You learn a lot just by doing it. Mm-hmm. Even with the average American, I lost my, my editor. And I didn't. I said, I want to edit it myself. Mm. But I had no software. <laughs> I had no knowledge. I went to the Apple store and took a mm. class, but I didn't even have a Mac. So I was writing everything <laughs> down on, on a yellow pad. <laughs> Literally, I was I like. I love these stories. I was like yes. in the Apple store in Sherman Oaks, like writing this stuff down. And then I went to my friend Earl, who... Mm. Um, has you know he has mad skills when it comes to you know scoring and you know you know audio and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so he was like okay i'll let you do this and so we bartered he was a single dad so he gave me his computer final cut it took me a long long time Mm -hmm. a really long time but in in exchange i babysat his daughter for like two years really yes wow like anytime he needed a babysitter i'm like bring her over (laughs) so And she got her own kid to watch. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's like you just had to do what you had to do. That's grinding right Yeah, there. but that's what I was talking about, about her. You give her a task and she sticks with it. Mm. 
I hate when I give somebody a task and they don't finish it. They're just like, well, I tried that thing and I was working on it and I'm still researching. I'm like, you ain't even trying to do this thing. Well, that's a lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Like that person really doesn't get the challenges of getting something done and the mm-hmm. fact that it's not always so easy and us just showing up to do it does not equate to it getting done. Like there, there is real work involved and that work isn't always without obstacles and limitations and things you have to overcome. And so anyone who's worked as a professional and sometimes you don't have to be a quote unquote professional to have a professional attitude. Right. So if you're a PA or an assistant or whatever, you are still expected to not only complete the assignment that you're given, but anticipate problems before they happen, anticipate what your employer may need, think ahead, look ahead, all of that kind of thing. And so if he's coming, if that person's coming back to you talking about they're still doing research and what they still have to figure out, like that person has some things to learn about you know, the work environment in general. Here's an example. I was talking to a friend of mine who's writing this book. Really cool book. I've known him for three years. He's been writing this book, right? And I don't think he's more than two chapters past what we talked about. So I said to him, I said, you know, I think it's time for you to put that aside. I said, what do you really want to do? Like, what's really moving you? And I said, every time we talk, all you do is talk about politics. I think you're missing a story in there somewhere. That's mm-hmm. what's driving you. Mm-hmm. I said, I bet you if you find a hook on how to write something about, about politics from your point of view, you will finish it. That's just a story you think is cool. That's why you haven't finished it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not moving you. It's not driving yes. you. It's not, you're not sleeping about it and waking up in the middle of the night with the dialogue or you know, a moment or whatever. And I said, you need to find something. So he hit me up the other day. I got it. I'm 30 pages in. I said, I told you. You know what? That's that's exactly. true. I I remember when I first moved to North Hollywood, um, I had a story just like eating at me, mm-hmm. and it was a feature, and I finished it in two weeks. I've never written that fast, but it was a it was a if personal it's burning. Story. Exactly, it was a personal yes. story. Yeah. Yes, those mm-hmm. are the ones, and we all have that, Tracy, don't we? Yes, sir. Of course. <clears throat> you know those scripts. We, I think I wrote Tosa in a week and a half or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was like in there. You know, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so. OBS, all that stuff going on. So then you started like helping people producing their their projects and you know mm-hmm. ADing and all that stuff. And what I'm hearing is you took you took the business into your own hands, right? We all know how difficult it is. Okay, I'm not getting into Disney. I'm not getting into NBC. I'm not getting into CBS. Whatever. Okay. But I can control all my friends are shooting things. I can at least be working on things and growing and learning and whatever. So when I do my stuff, I'll be better. Right. And this is what I'm always telling writers. They're like, oh, well, you know, if it's not insecure, why am I doing it? Like you could tell that's like that's their thought. You know, they don't always say that. Yeah, It's not legit. If it's not a big budget and there's trailers and whatever, like y'all ain't even. I'm going to tell you something. It, story stories for me it's like you don't it, it doesn't matter um it's just like it's just like sometimes people get into this business because they think it's a big money maker yep. i mean it can be but i haven't got to that point yet <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing is it's like it has to be something that you really like i when i was in high school 
I was going to this the go lightly, and mm. I remember we were like the first class to do this. Mm. This was like '83. We were the very first ones. They had a million dollar, they had a million dollar um, studio, mm. and they had some really high end stuff. Mm. And it was it was for us as as you know Detroit public school kids. This is what it was for. Wow. And so I remember talking to my teacher and they let me take some stuff home. Really? It yes. Was. And it's like. <laughs> That would never happen, you know, later on. They, they had this up on the lock and key. But exactly. I remember talking him into it. I said, hey, you know, um, do you think I can take this camera home for the weekend? Mm-hmm. And he packed it all up nice and neat for me. Really? I took that, and I was on the bus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. In Detroit. <laughs> In Detroit. So when I got home, I told my whole neighborhood, I'm like, we're shooting a film. Mm. We're making a movie this weekend. Right. And I didn't have time to write a script, but I'm like, hey, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And we made a little short film. That's good. And it was like, you know, that stuff, just, we, people out here are just, I don't say spoiled in a way, because they, they're surrounded by it. But in Detroit, you're not. It's like you, it's like you, I was hungry for it. You have to work with the resources you have, too. Right. Which is actually, I don't mean to interrupt you, which is actually greater. And I'm always telling writers, that I get emailed several times a week from people all over the world going, oh, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, girl, you in Utah, right? Girl, you in wherever, right? Get your friend with a little camera. One of your friends knows how to use it well. Whoever's on Instagram all the time, that bitch can shoot, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Let them, I bet you they got a good eye because they always frame it just right. Look at that person, right? And have them use that camera. Just start playing with little, little skits, little scenes or whatever and build from it. But you can do it with the, the resources you have now. Your friend owns a store. Your friend, you know, your, your uncle is a lawyer at a big law firm who owns it. Bitch, go in there on a the weekend, <laughs> you know, when ain't nobody there and shoot a little something in the scene. That's production value. Exactly. But we don't realize you have more resources than you think. You know, exactly. your friend has a cool house, a cool apartment, a cool whatever. Shoot something there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But instead they go, well, I don't have it. It ain't about what you have. It's about you having connections and relationships with people who allow you to do stuff. Right. What's up? Come on over. Rich going to come over and say a little game for y'all right quick. (laughs) Come on. It's Rich. I would never say it's game. It's just perspective from a broke writer. Um, (laughs) So um, speaking specifically to that, I reached a point where I've hit like a glass ceiling with my writing where it seems like my agents don't care and it seems like all the showrunners I know are like, you'll get there in time. Pat on the head, next time it'll be your time. It's been like that for the past year and a half. Mm -hmm. So I got tired of writing, so I created this YouTube series, Fatboy Feels. And at the start of it, um, we did it with budget in mind, with locations in mind, and then I just changed my mindset. I was like, well, what do I want this to be? And what what do I think it could become? And let's go for it. And so from there, once I did that, the team grew. It went from being just point and shoot on an iPhone to no, let's get a DSLR and no, let's get proper sound mm-hmm. and wait, okay, what locations can we do? This person does this, this person does this. And I was worried about marketing. And I was like, well, my friends are actually online and they have social media presences. And I was like, well, what if I have guests on and my friends get to be my guests and then we can leverage their audience to grow my audience. Exactly. And then what if, you know, um, What if I get a social media advisor? My other friend, she's a social media manager. And so it's like, okay, you reach out to all your friends and now I have a team of about 10 people. And I never thought that was possible six months ago, three months ago. And now 
this thing is rolling to a point where I'm like, it's not stopping, even though I might want to. Uh, <laughs> there are people who are counting on me, um, both financially, because now they're tied to me and invested with their time and their money, and also emotionally, because they want to see the story come to life. So anyways, that's just my little anecdote for this topic. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, that is great. Do something yes. to boil it down. I like that, Richard. Be your own boss. Whatever you're doing, do more. Yes, yes. Keep it basic. Okay. Okay, so to go back, you so after average American, you're getting more experience. You're working with other people. You're continuing to write in addition to working on the other projects. Mm-hmm. Was there something else that was pivotal or major in terms of, or was it just more sort of gradual? You're pushing a boulder up the hill, we know, but there was, I think, more happened after that. Um. But I just think that it's just like I I grow, you know, with everything that I do, I grow. Every time I work on a on a film, um, I grow and I learn. And um, and I just feel like it's important just to just to be involved with the process, just to be involved with people who are like minded creatives and, you know, working with Hilliard um, and Chris and Willie and everybody on on ticker mm-hmm. that was another space that i grew and mm-hmm. learned um shout I, I to the ticker crew i'm sorry oh no no i was gonna say well let's let's jump to ticker right quick if you don't mind okay so well i don't even know if you know exactly how it all came about but so ticker is this project that um myself and kim really worked on uh two years ago Right, two years, two thousand twenty. Nineteen. Nineteen. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. To the, well, we during two thousand twenty, we did the writers' room. Right. That's what it was. So um, what happened was Ron Covington and Willie, you know, used to get together once a week and you know work on these projects. And eventually, Ron was like, "Yo, Willie, let's 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 do a challenge. You know, I challenge you to write it to write a little short film, and then I'll write something, whatever." So Willie wrote something, and. I'm sorry, uh, Ron wrote something and Willie's like, oh my God, he did it. I got to do something too. So he wrote something <clears throat> and then they were like, what if it was a series of these, you know, anthology series based on blah, 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 blah. You take it off, Rich? Okay, thank you. And so, and, and that's where it spawned from. So I came in late in the game. They were already in the process. They were like three weeks a month away, something like that from shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were about to shoot. And so Willie was like, hey, Hill, let's get together. would love to talk to you, you know, with the team. <clears throat> so it was Ron, uh, Brian, Willie, and myself. I think it was just mm-hmm. the three of us. Brian is the producer. Yeah, um, Brian Roberts. Shout out to them. And we were just talking about whatever. And I was just giving them game about things they could think about as producers and ways to get production value and all this stuff like that. And they just kept hinting, you know, you'd be great to help me. You know, it'd be really amazing if you here. And I was like, did they just talk me into producing this damn thing? So next thing I know, they sent me an email going, hey, you know, we all talked. We'd love for you to come on board. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. But I'm not doing any other paperwork. I'll help you staff it if you need to. But I'm not, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was like, great, he's a great line producer. He can organize all the SAG paperwork and all that. I don't want to do none of that, right? And Willie was like, oh, we need some more women in here. It's just us four guys. So, of course, he he brought in Kimberly and Millie, Mildred. Um, I always forget Mildred's last name. Um, Langford. Langford. 
And um, so they came on, gave us some perspective on the script so that we could twist some things. Remember, it's all male. We think like dudes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So Kim was like, oh, what about this? And what about that? And whatever. So we ended up making this project. And it did really well for us in the sense of how we all came together and made it as a team. And fast forward a few months later, Willie calls me. And we're having a conversation. And he's like, well, what are we going to do if we ever get called by, you know, because we're starting to get some film festivals and stuff and we won an award or two. And we were like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we need more scripts. You know what I mean? So we could be more prepared so that if a network is like, yo, we like this, we could be like, here's, you know, the other eight. The season, right. You know, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, well, why don't we start a writer's room? You know, I'll run it. Initially, we were going to do it here in the office, as you know, and then boom, here come the Rona. So mm. instead of being hindered by that, we were like, well, let's just do it on Zoom. Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we did it for once a week for it was at least three or four months. It went on for a minute. Mm-hmm. And we we ran that thing. Everybody had to write the stories, had to write their outlines, had to write, you know what I mean? Everything. And my thing was this. And Kim knows this. I just wanted them to come out better writers by the time we were done, even once a week. And I think everybody did. Mm-hmm. And you could tell from where people were, the way they were pitching at first, mm-hmm. to the way they were pitching when we were they done. They stuck with it, and they were consistent. Yeah. To the way they wrote the outlines, to the way they ended by the end. You know what I mean? Every The scripts, where they grew. Mm-hmm. And I felt like everybody learned something. And that was my goal. That's awesome. You know what I mean? If I can get everybody to that point. Like, Brian wrote this dope script, but he didn't believe in himself. And by the time we were done, he was like, oh, I really can write, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, bitch, you can write. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it was um, it was like a lot of that. And like my assistant, um, she ended up writing two scripts, you know, but that, you know, she still was learning as a writer. So we had to like reformat and group it and structure it in a different way. And she started to understand why, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it was just a lot of like learning curves from everybody that I felt like everybody grew somewhere within that you know what i mean yeah. like i felt like for me kim in particular stepped up as the one who always had the ideas mm-hmm. so we would always go kim girl can you come up with some <laughs> didn't we yeah. we were always leading on kim yeah. and she would be like boom yeah. i got it right yeah. and somebody would be trying to work on their log line because i would say give me a log line for the pitch mm-hmm. and um um, she, they would always send it to Kim first so that she can correct him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, whatever. So people started seeing people had superpowers in the room yeah. that they could utilize. And like I said, eventually we started, after we did all the scripts, we needed to do the PR, you know, and Kim came in and was like, well, shit, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell, be the person to raise your hand for stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she just started, you know, trying to put together the visual deck. Her son knows how to do it. So she worked with him, you know, worked a little with Chris and boom, She's badass yeah. at it now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. She made a dope deck for us. Yeah. You know, this is here. Here's what's dope about Thank all you. of that. Thank you. And I wasn't. We, we're gonna get to because Kim was. Oh yeah, we're gonna on a series. We'll get to that yeah. in a second. I had no. I knew about the ticker project. I didn't have specifics, mm-hmm. but I'd been on set to work with Ron's previous um, web project, right. uh, which Brian was involved in. <clears throat> um, and you know that's my dude, Ron Covington, Willie Davis, Willie, you know all all mm-hmm. my dudes, all OBS folks. Ron yep. came and worked on my web series, mm-hmm. PAN essentially early on. He did when he could. I wanted him back, but he had to go and do ticker. Right. 
Um, similarly, I wanted Chris to direct. Chris was doing other things at the time. Right. So our paths were sort of crossing. But, you know, we support, our support of each other, for people listening, is, is fuel for everyone. Right. Let me say it again. Our support of each other is our fuel. And it's, KRS-One talks about this. Y'all know who KRS-One is. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but if you Shoot and yourself. I, Shoot yourself. If Hilliard and I are in the hood, dead broke, <clears throat> right? And say Hilliard is a singer, and he's just like messing around, and he starts singing, and he sounds dope as a singer. Um, and we're walking around the hood. Everybody's broke. As soon as I tell somebody else, you know, Hilliard can really sing, you know, he's dope. I look at Hilliard and Hilliard starts belting out a tune. Mm -hmm. That's where you create value. Right. So before too long, we're going to go downtown and sing and get some dollars in the cup. Or I'm going to keep telling people that Hilliard is dope and the word is going to spread. Right. And from there, the opportunity is born. So we've always said and we've always heard from folks who came before us don't look up look around or don't just look up mm -hmm. look around and that's that's kind of what we're all talking about so that's beautiful to hear and i can't wait to 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 get behind ticker in a in a bigger way so kim tell us about the tv series and how did that um, all come about and, and all that. how all of that happened <clears throat> um so I got a, a call from Kenny Young. I don't know if you know Kenny Young. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I met Kenny, um, Kenny and Carl Seaton. Um, I met them when they, like 20 years ago, mm -hmm. probably when they did, um, they came out to OBS and they showed us uh, the film that they had right. done um, one week. And um, over, over the years, I would go out and support if they had a film or if you know, they were doing something or a project. And so a few years ago, uh, Kenny started, well, he, they had this uh, group, or they have this group called Storytellers, and I ran into him, and he invited me, and mm -hmm. so I became involved with that. So, so you said yes to something? I'm sorry? I said yes. I said, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll come and check out Storytellers. So we used to meet in person before the pandemic, and mm -hmm. it was a way for writers and actors and just people, creative people to um, write stories and mm -hmm. and. Get, get ideas from each other and work together. Yeah. And so we started doing it on Zoom during the pandemic. And we could always bring our own personal material. Right. And so I would bring a lot of TV stuff that I was working on, you know, bounce it off of them, have them read it. And, um, you know, they could see that I'm very passionate about television writing. And so out of the blue, I get this call. Um, Kenny says, hey, uh, I sold a show and mm. I'm like oh congratulations mm. and I would like for you to be um, one of my writers wow. and I'm like are you serious and it was so funny because it was like <laughs> I had I had literally just picked the phone up and it rang in my hand it was like <laughs> that's God right there I, it was like I picked the phone <laughs> right. up it rang and it's like oh Kenny's calling me it's like this is this is different he never calls you know like like this but um, I started out actually as, as a consultant they had already had they already had three scripts mm -hmm. And oh, the room was already going. No, the room was not already going. Oh, he had yeah, already wrote. He scripts. had written the okay. first three episodes. Well, yeah. 
he wrote two, and then and we had another writer to, to have written one, but they didn't have the room like officially yet. Got it. And so, um, because I know structure mm-hmm. and TV structure, uh, they come from more like um, film film world, and he knew that I knew television, mm-hmm. and so uh, so first hired me as a consultant mm-hmm. to to go through the scripts and to give them notes and and then eventually um i got approved through the network to be a writer mm-hmm. and so we started our room i would say it was like october of last year mm-hmm. late october and there's six writers total but the room would always have like eight people because mm-hmm. we had the produ- assistant producers mm-hmm. um and so yeah so we just we would break story we had our we, we each had a, a can you say what it's about or what it's called and all that? it's called cold and windy Mm-hmm. And it's spelled with a K, K-O-L-D. Okay. And it's Cold Times or X Windy. And okay. it's spelled W-I-N-D-Y. And it's based, it's, the story is a, a, sh- a South Side of Chicago type story. Mm. So that's where it takes place and hence the Cold and Windy. Okay. Um, but it is a story, it's a female driven um, story about a young lady named Malika who is uh, she's a drill artist. I'm not, not sure if you know what drill music is, yeah. but it's specific to Chicago. It's a derivative of hip hop, but mm-hmm. it, it is um, it's basically music that is fueled by gang um, opposition for, mm-hmm. to one another. And so it, these two women, Cole and Wendy, mm-hmm. are... Um, are they uh, rivals? They're, they're not rivals. They are actually best friends, okay. and they are um, both in the same group. Okay. Um, and so what they are doing is that they're they're like climbing, you know, in popularity, mm-hmm. and that that lifestyle is uh, is intertwined with you know gang violence. It's intertwined with um, family problems, just mm-hmm. different things that occur. And so Malika is trying to you know keep her son together because she has a young son. She's mm-hmm. trying to get her life, to, you know, elevate herself and. It's it's a struggle to do that, yeah. and, and and her friend, her best friend, wants to keep life as is, mm. and so there's the the rival. And so if you can, you know how you say one one movie meets another movie. It's more like a because it's a lot, a lot of music in it. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a maybe like a. So that's a lot of y'all budget then. Right? It's like it's like Empire. <laughs> it's like Empire meets Power. Okay. It's, it's kind of that that vibe. Mm-hmm. It's that vibe. All right. So and it's you know. Uh, female driven so I I really like it I like the show um, when I you guys do you, can you say if you know when it's gonna drop or you could just say it's September drop? it's okay. supposed to be like in the around, fall around September yeah mm-hmm. nice yeah all black all black we TV nice yeah awesome and they just finished shooting I I had an opportunity to be on set for a couple of days Good. and it was awesome tell us about your experience tell us about it um just being <laughs> there you know so, most of the writers are from Chicago, okay. and um, you know, be, being from Detroit, it's still at that Midwest. You know, I still grew up in the Midwest vibe. I mean, it's not far. It's, it's not far. A couple hours no, away. It's not it? far. <laughs> uh, but most of them are from Chicago, and uh, I just they just showed a lot of love. Mm-hmm. You know, the people on set, the people in the room. The room was great. You know, I had an absolute awesome time in the room, and 
out of the six writers. What she's really, what she really trying to say is Taker got it ready for it. She lying. <laughs> she lying. <laughs> I did learn a lot in the, in the room. I'm now I I had a few experiences like workshops for for writers room. Mm-hmm. Michael Jockway was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Um, but I would say Ticker probably prepared me the most because we did it so, for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And it was consistent. And consistent. Right. And then the notes. Right. Uh, I felt like that is that is key, being able to take notes. Because mm-hmm. um, like, I remember you gave me notes and I was like, hmm, I, I think it would sound better like this. And I would come back and you're like, that's not the note I gave you. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, okay, I really got to take notes. So, okay. <laughs> so uh, that helped a lot. So when I got network notes, I was mm-hmm. on cloud nine. I'm like, I got network notes. <laughs> you wanted them. I was like, yeah, yeah, network notes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, yeah, it was it was it was great. And just being on set, and we shot. You know, even though it's in Chicago, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of things that are shot in Chicago, the the interiors are, were shot in um, Atlanta. Interesting. And so that so was it's cheaper to go all the way to Atlanta to shoot the interiors. It depends on who you. That's crazy. Well, who you, you talk know, it's a lot to. of lot of. Well, some some things were exteriors, mm-hmm. you know, some things. But of course, you have to still have this, you know, that that shy town look. Right. Um, and then Atlanta did have, you know, some uh, spots that looked like Chicago. That, yeah, it did. Okay. It really did. And that was my first time in Atlanta, and I thought it was a great city. I mm. would, I definitely want to go back and visit. Okay. But um. Go back and shoot, girl. Go back and visit. <laughs> go back and shoot. <laughs> Um, but everybody was wonderful that everybody brought their a game and and i really um you know it's only two female writers on staff so out of the six writers is two you know six is two female writers and um and we had a female director no good yes Mm -hmm. yes so were were you do you feel like and i'm just asking the question in general you know you can only say what you could say do you feel like you guys were able to bring in like were were the were the producers um, open to like you know a woman might look at it like this type of absolutely. notes absolutely you know they, what I mean they, they, um, <clears throat> they did they leaned on both of us okay. um, so the, the the creators of the shows Kenny Young uh, Phil James and Vern Extreme Brown uh, <laughs> Extreme yeah Extreme <laughs> so he he has a lot of experience in the music field he's like in okay. the music world and so we had we had those kind of consultants that, that mm-hmm. knew certain you know things that you, they're bringing that we're bringing to the story, um, but Vic, she's from she's from Chicago, mm-hmm. and so they yes, a lot of times we would say no. Um, a woman would look at it like this, no. or you know, I had I had my own intuitions, but then mm-hmm. I had experiences where you know things that my you know my family members, aunts and right. my mother, my my grandmother and cousins, just just. People in general and, and the interaction, the dynamics between mm-hmm. women, black women, right. uh, especially in the Midwest, how we look at things and mm-hmm. how we think about things and and certain terms we would use. Like sometimes I would come up with a term and they're like, we don't say that in Chicago. <laughs> 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 that is not a shy town That's term. hilarious. <laughs> so, but yeah. Uh, it was good. It was a great experience. I was like, I'm gonna tell you this one story. Talk about um, it. Talk about it. Right before, um, so when I was on my way to Atlanta, um, 
I was taking the flyaway. I always like to take the flyaway to LAX. And what's the flyaway? What's that? That's the bus, the bus that you. It's like a shuttle bus that you, uh-huh. it's like a, they have a little station in Van Nuys, mm-hmm. and you get on. It's just a very relaxed way. Oh, to I have go. done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Very relaxed way to go to LAX. I'm so spoiled. I'll be taking nothing. Like, Relaxing about LAX. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you don't have to drive. That's the you point. You don't yeah. have to drive. You yeah. just sit and let somebody drive you. Got it. <laughs> but I got on the bus and I called my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom is, she's been with me for, like, she has seen it all. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom and I just start bawling on the bus. Oh, that's cute. I did. I just start <laughs> crying on the bus. And I was like, Mom, I'm really going to set and i'm going to see them shoot my episode (laughs) and i just 23 (laughs) years yeah 23 years at this it means something huge and so i tell people um you know anybody who who thinks that oh this is not going to happen you know, sometimes people think it's going to happen like the first year. You, mm-hmm. know? you know, God bless <laughs> Most you. Most people think it's going to happen. <laughs> yes. That's right. Um, I just tell people, you know, as long as you're breathing, your dream can come true. Facts. And, and you have to, you have to just, everybody has a different journey. Right. You know, my journey is not going to be your journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't look at other people and say, oh, they made it. How come they made it and I didn't make it? I did this. I did that. It, it's not about that. And I feel like had I made it earlier, I might not be the same type of writer. I do too. Yeah, for you, sure. You you grow with with trials and tribulations and knowledge and you know even the job I do. I work in human resources, mm-hmm. and that is a problem solving department. That is what we do. Mm-hmm. People come with any and everything imaginable, right. and they expect you <clears throat> to help them fix it. And I think that has helped me a great deal. Mm. It's helped me as a first AD. Right. It's helped me um, even just in my 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 uh, story problem solving mm-hmm. uh, mechanism because I'm constantly using that muscle. Right. You know, like I'm, and you see me on the set. I'm very calm on the set. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking logistically. I'm always anticipating. You know. And I think at one point, I don't know if I walked you and Millie out, but I know I walked, I started with Chris. They, when we shot that Sunday, Chris was starting to panic, as you notice, right? So I was like, okay, he's starting to let everybody see him sweat. I need to take him outside. So I took him outside and I was like, let's go for a walk. We walked around the entire block, you know, because they were trying to fix the camera equipment, whatever. And we just talked. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back. And we're going to pretend like we're back in film school again. We're going to use one camera. How can we make this? How can you make this thing work with one camera? I know we planned it with two. Mm-hmm. Now we got to think. We only have an hour and a half or two to go. Mm-hmm. What can we do? And he went, well, I could start shooting it like this and like this. And then he started getting excited about shooting it like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's do that. Right. I wanted him to come up with it. Right. And so I gave him back the power so that he could do it himself. Mm-hmm. So then I took Ron out, and I took Willie out, and I took Brian out, and I was like, okay, <laughs> here's what's gonna happen. Chris is gonna start this thing, and we're gonna do whatever, but everybody's like, okay, because they were all you know, revved up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I gotta keep everybody calm. So that is what I found is one of my superpowers is anticipating before you hit the wall, mm-hmm. how to bring you back and let you feel empowered. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just as an example, just to jump for a quick second, like, my husband and I, to unwind, we always watch, like, Master Chef or Top Chef or any of those things. Master Chef, Chef Ramsey is, is like, uh, we're watching them, the Chef Junior, and the kids, you know, when, they, when they're leaving, they're crying and whatever, and he says, now, I know you're going home, but what are you going to do? You're going to keep fighting, right? You're going to keep cook, Promise me you're going to keep. He talks them back into it. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they're like, I'm going to be like you, chef. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring you back to that place that, that made you want to do it in the first place as opposed to I lost. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'll never make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make you go. Remember, we've done this before. We were in film school. You were you were in these indie movies and stuff. We've had to do this before. Mm-hmm. Very important you to empower I mean? people <clears throat> exactly. if you can. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everyone doesn't do that. Everyone mm-hmm. in charge doesn't do that. So that's, a, again, a real talent and skill. Um. On your part, and anyone who does that, like that's, and it's common sense if you step back. Like, in order to get the best out of people, mm-hmm. you know, they have to feel empowered and they have to feel invested. Right. And yeah, that's the truth. It's not always about, you know, the dollars that people are showing up. They're they're giving their time. Yeah, that's yes. There are people who've been hired to do a job, but sure. you know. Most of us don't get in this just for the paycheck. No. And so if you can make fee- make people feel important and a part of it, like, you know, no matter how small, it's going to pay you dividends in the long run, if not in the short run and the long run. Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to take a job on a show. Like I said. Everybody who's writing a comedy is trying to get on an insecure or a blackish or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They forget there's still seven other shows on these other networks where they could be having these experiences on All Black or TV One or whatever the, the networks, the BET. You know what I mean? They could be having these experiences, but they're like, I don't want to do those shows. Like, I only want to do the pretty shows, right? And I'm like, you're still missing the opportunity to grow there, though. Exactly. Use it as a springboard. Use it as a moment to be like, I'm going to the set. Because on those other shows, you may not be going. You know, <laughs> you know what? what I mean? it's, it's, like, it's like food. I relate everything to food. It's, so sad. <laughs> it's like food. It's like, you know, are you hungry? Or, or it's like, right. oh, I only want to eat caviar and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? We got beans. Right. Either you go starve or right. you eat, right. you know. And it's like when you... Are, are if, if you to me if you're a real creative you take any opportunity I've been doing stuff um, like I said you know when I was a kid mm-hmm. it, it was just in me to do it's like it's what I wanted to do I didn't know people made money at this I didn't mm-hmm. know this was a career I didn't know I just know I liked it right. I remember going into the kitchen telling my mother well first before I went to the kitchen to tell my mother I remember uh, seeing uh, the music hall mm-hmm. they uh, you know they used to have these commercials, and they would show the, the, the phone number. Right. And I would call. I called them one day. It's kind of like what, what Charles said yesterday. You know, he called. You know, who called? Who called <laughs> Japan? Like, <laughs> uh, I called the music hall, and I was like, "Do y'all have kid actors down there?" And they're like, um, "Where's your mama?" <laughs> like you're five. Like why are you calling me? And I remember telling my mom, I was like, you know, Ma, I want to be an actor. I thought I wanted to be an actor. I knew I wanted to be a creative. I didn't okay. know. 
the different the different jobs or I just knew I like story mm-hmm. and so well you only see what you see you only see the actors on TV exactly. you don't realize the people behind the scenes exactly who do the work yes yeah sure. and so I just remember telling her that she was washing dishes and I said I want to be on TV mama and she was like well baby the people who are on TV they, they live in Hollywood and <laughs> their parents are on TV I'm like well neither of those, those things are true right now so I guess I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> there is that but you know, it's. I think it's in us when we're young, and and uh, it doesn't matter if you have the big books and all this stuff. It, those things will come eventually. You know, say our gift makes room for us. Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you a corny question. Okay. Because this occurred to me. Because every time I'm interviewed, somebody asks me the same corny question. But I'm gonna ask you because I feel like you have a good answer. Something about it. What would you tell your younger self today about you now? Um. Don't lose hope. Mm. Don't don't let don't let um, heartache or heartbreak deter you. You know, um, there was a time I felt like leaving LA. Mm-hmm. I felt like I think my, we all been there. I right? felt like packing my bags. Like, <laughs> sure. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I just. I would tell my younger self, you know, don't don't lose hope. And I think I think the fact is the process, the journey is part of the building process. Right. It's part of it's part of the creating who you are. You know, all the things I've gone through, being a single parent out here mm-hmm. was definitely not easy. Right. Um trying to trying to make it right at night, you know. <laughs> and work all day. Yeah, work all day <laughs> right at night and single parent right. and and trying to do all that. Uh, as well as encourage other people and help them, you know, be a part of organizations, mm-hmm. and and then and then being a part of OBS, uh, I was vice president for yeah, wow, maybe like seven years, yeah, and um, that is a lot of work. I just just say that it's a lot of work. You know, I don't know how Jennifer did it for as long as she did it. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just doing it, all those purpose. things. It gives you purpose, though. Yeah. You know, like I'm on, you know, six committees, for God's sake, you know, and two of them I'm the co-chair of, you know what I mean? But it's the purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you have purpose, you make time, you know, yeah. for stuff like that. And, and I, I get inspired, too, by the, mm-hmm. the Committee of Black Writers at the Writers Guild, mm-hmm. you know, hearing everybody's story, the panel right. and Michelle getting up there and, mm-hmm. and you and her and, and talking to us, encouraging us and, and just hearing people's journey. The thing the thing I liked, and you could jump in on this, Tracy, is... Um, you were saying earlier about, um, I was thinking about um, how later in life you got this opportunity, you know, on, on your first, you know, network show, mm-hmm. right? I got my network show four years ago, too, <clears throat> right? But I'd done other smaller network shows, right, that Hollywood wouldn't even count on a Go90 network or some shit like that, where I was Coe Pete. They're like, yeah, we don't count that show. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, bitch. I did 24 episodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. so, but I learned a lot, right? I ran the room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where I learned how to do that stuff. You know what I mean? So anyway, my whole point is, I don't have regrets about stuff. Every blue moon that it hit me like, man, it, I wonder if I would have went to the left instead of the right. Like, like I had many opportunities after I finished the show to go right on to another show. But I was like, I want to freaking develop you know what I mean? I want to, mm-hmm. 
I don't want to go to another, you know, story editor, executive. I want to fucking go straight to co-EP. Here's how I can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was trying to do that. And so um, um, I have no regrets about it because I feel like what it did for me, by the time I got on my first real network show, so to speak, I was so far ahead, you know, in what I knew. And I felt so empowered, you know what I mean? Imagine if you were on a show again right now. Of course. It's crazy. So that's why you're able to run your rooms. All that experience you have. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. Well, you were you were true to yourself. And people have to do that. Like, long-time listeners, new listeners. Like, you have to have that honest conversation right. with yourself. <clears throat> kind of what the goals are and how you're going to move. Mm-hmm. And many of us have that challenging moment um stumble is an obstacle or rejection or something went left and you know you're allowed to be upset about that and and vent and whatever but you just can't wallow in it like if you gotta take a minute take an hour take a day but after that day you dust yourself off and you move on to the next thing Mm -hmm. and you you can't worry about your friend getting a big opportunity that you didn't get or this other person is on this show or they sold this script like you cannot and it's only human to sometimes move towards that in a way but you gotta move away from that and focus on you and your content and your product what you are bringing your skills and you know none of us are gonna tell you that it's easy or that it's it's instantaneous mm-hmm. it's it's not that mm-hmm. but you can you can continue to build and get closer to the goal if you sort of keep all of that in mind but mm-hmm. I've, I've heard many times you know it's a microscopic budget and blah 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 mm-hmm. and you know there there are a lot of people who are not on broadcast or quote premium cable and they're doing well yeah And we've had those conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. My former manager said it to me. You said it to me. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have a show on the air. It's on the air. On the air, buddy. Mm -hmm. Fuck these people and where it is and who they say and all of that. And it's like, so I take pride in that. Um, I take great pride in what you did, going back to Troublesome. I take pride in the average American. Mm -hmm. And when cold and windy hits, you know, like my people are out there. And mm-hmm. so that's across the board. We don't discriminate and segregate. And we all know, we certainly know lots of people who are on big networks yep. and big projects. But there's also a bunch of people who are now a bunch of unemployed writers because a bunch of shows got Hell cut, shows got canceled. <laughs> and there's a double-edged sword to yep. that. Yep. Like, yeah. It's nice, it's very nice to be on a network show with the network money and the network prestige, yep. but it's a different thing. And if you really know what's going on, you should count yourself lucky if the showrunner comes in the room and says, we don't know if we're getting picked up or not, so if you all have other opportunities, you should right. pursue those opportunities, don't wait. Agreed. Mm-hmm. There's people who don't even get that. No. Yeah. 
So again, you know, it comes with they don't want to lose you, so they don't want to tell you in case they do get picked up and you sitting there waiting for four months, or they're just not decent in that way, and they don't feel like they have to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, focus on what you're bringing, honing your craft. We said it many times on these mics. Get that ass power, as Quincy Jones would say, meaning the ability to stay your ass in that chair (laughs) until the draft is done. Um, And you kind of keep it that way and, you know, move with positivity and, and, you know, set the standard for yourself high and continue to continue to work. And the, the reward has to has to come from that, even if you can't see it. Yeah. And also, I want to add that, you know, no, no experience is, is wasted. And everything that you learn is of value. That's right. Um, one of the things that I, that I found of value for me in the room was the fact that I had, like all of us have had, you know, production experience in the, in, in the room. Um, but I think sitcom writing was was what I did most before I, you know, I transitioned to, to drama, and I have done drama. But uh, writing, writing with a budget in mind, you know, sometimes yes. I would hear the producer saying, you know, when ideas are thrown out from different writers, um, that's nice, but we don't have a budget for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I heard it enough in the room so that when I, it was time for me to write my episode, that was in my mind, and but that's your you've been a producer, so you you know how to think like that too. It it you know? helps, it helps, and so it's like knowing, um, okay, I want to keep this under a certain budget, so I'm not gonna have like a big you know mm-hmm. explosion or something <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's just like you know you you think about that, and and I got. Um, the most complimentary, one of the most complimentary things is that, you know, your your script was was um, a good script and it was within budget. Mm-hmm. And that, that made me feel good that I was conscious of it when I was writing mm-hmm. and then it came across and that someone noticed that. And it's, and it's the little things that you learn the more advanced you get and you start to understand how to write. You start to realize some things are just pretty because you wanted that set piece or that you know whatever that yeah. car that yeah, outfit yeah. whatever it is but then you start to realize oh she just needs to get to the door we know she leaves and we pick up with her walking into the building the next building we don't need mm-hmm. to see her getting the ferrari mm-hmm. you know what i mean you start to learn That's how to right. cheat it and imply that they got in the ferrari <laughs> you know what right. i mean you don't have to show the ferrari you just imply it That's right. <laughs> you know what i mean whatever but this little tricks that you start to figure out the more advanced you get start the late more, you leave early. Start late, you leave early, whatever, you know what I mean? You, if they say, I'll see you for dinner, you don't need to see them get in the car, drive to the place, go to valet. They just are sitting there at the table the next scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's little tricks like that that you start to go. I already told you I was going there. <laughs> the audience is going to believe they're there next Continuity. Time. Exactly. Yeah. So that's just that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cam. So good to have you, girl. Thank you. So proud of you. Congratulations. <clears throat> thank you, Indeed. Tracy. I can't thank wait you. to see more. Hopefully you guys get a season two, you know. I'm praying for us too. You know, I God's really will, you get on another big show too, you know, and experience that, yes. you know. Yes. And uh, like I said, shit's coming down the pipe, you know, where if, if it all works out the way I hope, 
I'll be able to put my people on. That's what I plan to do. And I was talking to Carl Seaton yesterday. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get you your show. You know, you've been directing all these other people's shows. It's time to do your show. So, yeah. Yeah. Carl's great. Mm-hmm. He is. It's dope. That's dope. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for having me, Hillary. For sure. Even <clears throat> Tracy. Uh, it was. I'm like, glad. I'm like glad Tracy times. came through. I'm glad you. Yeah. <laughs> no. This is this is our sister. No question about it. Where you Where you at, Kimberly Allen? Where can people follow you on Twitter, Instagram? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Right On Girl. Mm-hmm. W R I T E O N G I R L. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter. I'm at right girl. <laughs> I can't get right on girl there. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So uh, on Twitter, I'm at right girl 2010, which is when I opened my account. I guess <laughs> I wasn't. Th- I wasn't pre-thinking back in 2010 about you know right. all these handles and how people were gonna you know. I just gotta put my name on there. I'm like people be doing too much. All these weird. But see, stuff. you have like, that kind of name. You have no, a cool, I don't. You have a cool name. I, I used to hate. There's my a name. million Kimberly. Allen's. Okay, that's a good point. A million. It's three Tracy Grants. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, IG is Tracy Grant 5439, TRACY Grant 5439. Twitter is The Real Trey, T H E R E E L T R A Y. And Twitter, uh, season one of Lace is on all black. Watch Lace. A-L-L-B-L-K. You can also get it on Amazon Prime. You can do the all-black search on Amazon Prime. Check out Lace. Our web series, very happy about. Digital DPI, our digital (laughs) series, excuse me, um, is out now. We have a YouTube channel, Vimeo channel, DPI, the series, all caps. Tell people what it's about. DPI, the series. DPI is about a young woman here in Los Angeles, young sister trying to make her way through the world and she becomes an unlicensed detective (laughs) um it's a neighborhood story it's a missing girl in the neighborhood and we don't know if she is um a victim of trafficking if it's an r kelly situation (laughs) it's a desperate mother trying to find her daughter and she goes to our lead her name is d jenkins because nothing happens in the neighborhood that Dee doesn't know about. Mm. And so it's about Dee trying to figure out how she can monetize that and, and make something of her own life as well in a, in a rapidly changing, gentrified Los Angeles. So DPI, the series, we appreciate your support. Uh, again, it's on YouTube, Vimeo, DPI, the series in all caps. Um, Love to hear from anybody. We appreciate y'all rocking with us and, you know, reach out, reach out anytime. I'm exactly. here. Congratulations. I'm going to check it out. When, when you guys start the room for season two, can you say? We cannot say. We're okay. cautiously optimistic. Okay. Um, but, you know, very, very grateful to have some 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 content on the on the shelves out there. Yes, indeed. Take a lot of inspiration from um, the Charles Murrays of the world and everybody mm-hmm. who kind of kind of showed us how to do it and right. and shared a kind kind word indeed mm-hmm. that's what's up and i'm your host hilliard guest you guys can find me on twitter at hilliard guest you guys can follow the show screenwriters are, are on twitter <clears throat> any questions screenwriters rant room at gmail.com please go on itunes stitcher apple podcast spotify whatever you listen to we're all over the world um give us a five-star review we need that for the metrics 
Um, please go on our website, screenwritersrr.com. We got some T-shirts on there and stuff like that. Chris still needs to update the damn thing. Um, but uh, we out there, you know, doing big things. He's still pretending like he got a job or something like he just started last week. You know what I'm saying? Here's where I <laughs> self-manage and don't talk about Chris's mama. Congratulations, Chris. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Proud of him regardless. You know, the next two years, I want to show. He ain't got to worry about Bro, it. I love it. I you, love you know I'm, I'm happy for you, Chris, more than most, so. He ain't listening to the show. Don't worry about it. It's coming from a good place. (laughs) We are geeks. You know, want to hear you geeking out about film and being a cinephile. You know, first chance I get. For sure, for sure. Um, So everybody, join with me. You guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? 2022. Thank you, Kim. Thanks, Tracy. Love y'all. Peace. Thank you. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminished and the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the Red Room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red room.